welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. Each episode will have a different theme, and we'll talk about things that help to bring that theme to real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the heart or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. Just as a preface, I want y'all to know that these weekly topics are not planned way in advance, but they're sprung from my process of discovery um, week to week, mostly birthed from thinking about the topic the week before and what could be next or what could piggyback on top of that. And the topics are really alive for me. And as I've told y'all before, I'm talking to you from a place of personal discovery rather than something that's already gelled or, or hardened in me, something that I already know, which makes this podcast, I think, more real, but also means that sometimes I'm kind of stammering and, and stumbling around in the dark. And if you listened last week to Attendance Will Help, I think you're going to find that this week pours from that episode a little bit. I just kept thinking about that topic and what was born for this week's episode, if I had to if I had to bullion cubit, is sort of the how to, the how to stay incredibly present even if you lose control of your path or your agenda or your process. So here we go. To stay super present tense means that you have to stay curious. And at first look, I think that's like, well, of course, you know, all of us, you know, when people first say stay curious, we're like, yeah, yeah, I'm curious. I'm attentive. Of course I am. But the way that I want to unpack it today may be a little bit uncomfortable and kind of push on your buttons of control and personal management and regulation. And hopefully it will feel a little different than the ways that you've normally thought about just basic curiosity. I want to look at curiosity from a couple of different angles. The first way or the first look, which I think is my favorite, is I want to look at curiosity artistically in an artistic situation. So in any artistic process, writing, painting, dancing, music, acting, sculpting, teaching, and even your life as an art piece, as an artistic process. And anything that gives way to creative thinking and discovery has to have curiosity The artistic process also has to have, of course, curiosity's counterpoint, which is structure or boundary, but that's that's another episode. In order for magic to touch down, curiosity has to be in the room. And what this means is that you have to let go of some of your own grip on things and get really curious about the art, whatever art it is that you're working with, about the art having a life force of its own. 
Fiction writers talk about this a lot, about how they discover and learn about their characters. And I just find this so, so incredibly fascinating. Like you'll hear a writer say something like, well, all of a sudden my character did something that I didn't expect or I didn't realize I was going to have to kill my heroine. But it became obvious that I had no choice because she did something and I had to that that's the that's the line that the story took that's the the direction the story took that sort of thing and to really understand that the art itself has an aliveness that you tend to as the artist and that your life has an aliveness that you tend to as the artist of your life something that you give words to or paint to or movement to And that its inherent power does not only lie in what you do, but instead it also lies what you intuit it needs to come alive and to stay alive. And the way to get in the room with that kind of power so that magic can touch down is you get super curious. And that means... You, you have to back out of it enough. You have to back out of your own driving agenda. And you have to be curious enough to wonder. To wonder what would happen if you tried this. To be curious if you took this liberty with your character, your body, your paint, your material, or your life. To take the time to meander... And this means to get off schedule, to not make deadlines, to disappoint people, to lose control of what is known and trade it in for what is unknown so that magic can touch down. I saw a post recently, a friend who is a visual artist and her name's Robin Thayer. And I love Robin's work because it's so full of color. It is wildly alive, her her paintings. And it's very specific to her. I would recognize a Robin Thayer piece. No matter what context I was in, I would would be able to pluck it out and, and say, that's Robin. And she writes a lot about her process on social media, which I enjoy following her Instagram and Facebook because of that. And anyway, she posted a couple of weeks ago. She said, I ordered fluorescent yellow paint. I don't even like yellow. Let's call it hope on steroids. Apparently, I have been called to paint hope, in parentheses, on steroids. (laughs) And I really like her paintings, but just as much I like her, her thinking process. She talks about her art like it's something that she is curious enough to follow, to uncover it, and that the magic is something she's being called to witness, not just to conjure up and paint. And there is this divinity in it for her, I think you can tell. And yes, Robin, your work is about hope because it invites us all into this collective artistic magic that is ours to partake in and harness. And that aliveness is birthed first out of us 
being curious enough to order the paint, even if we don't like yellow. From the first urge, we order the paint, even when we don't know why. And then we get to see what happens from that. The second way I think curiosity is completely and utterly essential and even world-shattering is in relationships. When we can soften our driving sales pitch, our I cannot wait to get a word in edgewise, I can't wait to say what I want to say, our control and attachment of the outcome. When we can get out of that and get curious about what others are thinking and feeling, our tiny little glass world shatters. The one that just houses us and our cemented and our quote-unquote right ideas. And then everything opens up. And yes, it does open up. And, and just curiosity can do that. Just wondering, I think, can do that. Because different people have different rhythms of arriving at something. And curiosity lives, I think, too, in the same sleeping bag as patience. Because it makes us slow down. It makes us wait for the magic to touch down. And sometimes we have to ask a million questions to get there. We have to work it and mulch it and turn it over in our hands and listen to it crinkle and and make noise and get under it and get over it so that we really understand what it's meant to do and how we're supposed to interact and engage with it. Coretta, my, my baby girl, She's six and a half months. She's currently discovering her hands. (laughs) And she loves them. She turns them over. She waves them kind of slowly in front of her face. Um, She wiggles her fingers as if she's never seen them, just realizing, I think, that they're part of her body. And she has no depth perception, so she kind of hits herself in the face with them. Sometimes it's so funny. But when I climb into her world with her right now, it's kind of like this underwater world of tiny and ordinary discoveries, this magic minutia that these little discoveries are are built 100% on her curiosity. And that's, of course, her job right now is is to discover the world texturally. And what if we gave ourselves that task in our relationships and in our conversation to discover the world in front of us kind of moment by moment texturally? What if we went that slowly and tried things on with people instead of hardened ourselves to control every outcome? Oh, man, I was listening to Brene Brown's Unlocking Us podcast um, in particular, she had a two-part episode with Harriet Lerner on apology. And I, they needed two parts just to discuss the nuance of healthy apologizing, which I think is so deep and hard and right there in the tough place for most of us. Um, and one of the key points that she made was how when we stay curious, it fends off the most destructive reaction 
to someone telling us that they are hurt. And that's defensiveness. That's what most of us do when somebody says, hey, you hurt my feelings. We immediately get defensive. But when we are curious, it's almost impossible to be defensive at the same time. Truly curious, not just pretend curious. Like, really, truly, please tell me more about your feelings on that. I want to hear where you're coming from. I want to understand your point of view and why you feel hurt. Instant walls come down. And then there is this availability for magic touchdowns. And available for evolved, availability for evolved adult healing and the eradication of defensiveness And you actually get somewhere when you're curious because the other person doesn't shut down and just think of the next thing that they want to say. This is big, big, big and super helpful. And actually, even if you're not in the middle of something hard with someone, like this big kind of woundedness or need for an apology, but you're just curious about someone else's experience, So that you're not just thinking about what you're going to say next. This can be such a sweetness for the other person. And as it will turn out for you also. Because you learn something. And because you were pulled from your own trenches in a way. And because your your tiny and lonely glass world gets shattered. Where your perfect little ideas stay in control and manicured. It gets you out of that. And, and of course, the world is more interesting like this. And it's more risky. And it's more out of control like this, too. You will learn rather than just proclaim what you know when you live in a space of active curiosity. Like you will actually get better and more evolved and maybe possibly you will begin to heal from your gaping wounds, likely. Because you will not just be regurgitating and instead you'll be, you'll be collecting magic along the way, spontaneous things that you didn't even know um, could spark you. So here are the trade-offs to this amazing ingredient of curiosity. Time is harder, your timeline for stuff, things, conversations, artistic, set-aside time. Everything may take longer, and, and you may have to lie and wait for the magic to touch down. It might not happen the day that you hired your dancers to come and rehearse. You may have to have them stay longer or come back a different day or the day the paint comes in the mail. Um, you may lose your schedule. And, and this, is, this is hard for me. I don't know if it is for you, but it's hard for me because I, I do. I like a schedule, and I like time to feel honored. But you may get impatient when you stay curious because magic doesn't have a, a predictable cadence. And, and magic touches down sometimes when you are very tired and it's the middle of the night. And being curious sometimes feels like loss of control because when we are truly curious, we don't really know how it's going to turn out. And time might even feel wasted 
or like you're not sure it's going anywhere. When you work closely with curiosity, you might feel like, what's the point? You know, where is this going? Because the point does not always show up as quickly when you're curious. And, and that is sort of the point. Most of the, the first half of my life was spent as a dancer and in the choreography spaces. And this idea of curiosity was very alive in those spaces, at least in modern dance, not as much in my ballet years. But um, in ballet, the choreography was very set. But in modern and postmodern dance, it was discovered, often collaboratively, with the dancers and the choreographer. And I actually love and appreciate that more now than when I was in the middle of it. Often back then, I would feel impatient with the birthing process of the dance and the, the walking around in circles to discover movement phrases from the assignments that the choreographer would give us. And I don't really think that I had cracked the code of curiosity and accepted the real beauty of, of process being just as important as the finished dance at that point in my life. But now, oh, I, I get it. I think that I had to become a writer to really feel that maybe. So I'm sorry to all the choreographers I was impatient with. I get it now <laughs> and why it took what it took to let magic touch down. This idea is important when we're leading a group. If you're a teacher or a speaker or someone that gathers people around your table and leads in some way, I've really had to learn this the hard way too that breakthrough for people actually comes when you're not talking. It actually comes when you give space after what you say, what you say, and then you pause and you give them soak time. And when you, as the leader or teacher, are not talking so that they can feel the lesson in their own body, and in their own space. And, and that is curiosity. That is where there is breakthrough. If we are not curious, we stay the same. We stay in that glass world and it never gets any bigger. We don't discover new land. And even if I lose control, I do not choose that. Even if I lose my fantasy of having things wrapped up neatly, because that's usually just a fantasy, I do not choose that. Sometimes when you have less to work with, curiosity can be exactly what creates abundance. So like, like this, asking, asking questions can blow life into something that appeared dead. You have to scratch around and find some wood to make a fire, to warm it up, to give it life. That's what curiosity does sometimes is you have to kind of think past what's obvious to be generous enough to the day to uncover the unexpected. Curiosity is life force and it keeps fresh blood in our lives and in our projects. And a lack of curiosity sucks the air out of the room. People are so often afraid of what they don't understand. But what if we were lit up by it? What if we were charged by the unknown instead of just what we know and the, the safe and the manicured. Wrapped within curiosity 
is intuition, sort of what what are you following? Are you following your nose? Are you following the day? Are you following the moment? It's like nonlinear travel to somewhere new and uncharted. Annie Dillard, huh, if you don't know Annie Dillard, I, I hope that you you get to know her. She does this so beautifully in her writing. She just captures curiosity. She says this, how we spend our days, of course, is how we spend our lives. A schedule defends from chaos and whim. Spend the afternoon. You can't take it with you. That's Annie Dillard. Another curiosity wizard is Pina Bausch, the very special German choreographer. And in one of her best-known dance works called Cafe Mueller, the dancers kind of stumble around, around the stage, crashing into tables and chairs. And Pina had most of the dancers perform this piece with their eyes closed, which was very risky and courageous and so deeply curious and fantastic. I would have loved to be with her in her her choreographic process. Freddie Mercury, um, the beating heart of Queen, with the album A Night at the Opera, he got really curious about creating something well beyond and above just radio hits and something that would fit into that mold that would be a radio hit. And, and magic happened because he was willing to get curious about that in that album in particular. When we are really curious, it has to be not confined to the box. It has to meander and it has to take turns. Not turns like back and forth, like it has to take um, unexpected twists off script. If you get curious, things will fall apart. Time will fall apart. The list will fall apart. And it will help you discover magic in your art, in your conversations, with your children, on your career path, just in the middle of the day, in your friendships, in your partnerships, in your cooking, in your apologies, in your fights. And it's kind of, it's kind of wild curiosity and it's supposed to be. It's supposed to kind of grow in all directions. It's off-road and it's off-trail. And hopefully it will shatter your known world and thank goodness for that. I want to leave you with what I think is the real gift. It's the companionship of knowing that it's not just you pushing a hard thing up a hill. Curiosity allows for us to coast on the momentum of collaboration, collaboration of that aliveness, that belief that art and life has a spirited plan that you are not fully in charge of. You know, some people talk about it when they say that they're in the flow. I'm so in the flow. 
Um, or I'm just feeling carried towards something, but I'm not sure why, but things like I'm going in the right direction intuitively. When you have felt that magic, and it doesn't happen all the time, but when you do, you have to run with it. You have to ask questions and court it and take it out for supper and keep inflating life into it because that is the great gift. And what I've found is that it comes in waves. It comes unexpectedly. And when we jump on, it takes some of the personal labor out of it. It happened for me at the at this beginning of this podcast when I didn't even know I wanted to do a podcast. And Alex came to me and said, this is what I think you should do. And I think you should call it this. And I think, you know, I think you should start podcasting. And I got curious enough to kind of follow, follow that with her, even though it wasn't necessarily in my, in my hardened plan. And if you're wondering if you're an artist and if this applies to you, then I am here to tell you that you are. You are the artist of a life that is only yours. And that curiosity is a foundational and really special material that is essential for that great life, your great life, one that you deserve. And all you have to do is wonder and stay open and interested in what's next. Even if you don't really like yellow, but for some reason you are getting a download that you need to order the fluorescent yellow paint. Order it and wait. Order it and then ask why. Order it and show up with it. Get in the room with it to learn why. And then from there, you get to paint hope. As always, thank you so much for listening to Things That Will Help. Your support helps me keep pouring out these stories. If you're interested in becoming a patron, you can find out more about that information on the show notes. It's super easy to sign up. It's a minimum of $5 a month to be a patron, and it goes directly to the production of this podcast. And with that, you get four bonus episodes per month, um, and those are the practice components to these lessons and these stories, the embodiment piece. And you're sharing this work, you're sharing the podcast with friends and family is also so helpful to me. My hope is to keep growing my listening base so that this is something I can afford to keep doing. As always, take care of yourselves and of each other and have a beautiful day. Thank you.